Heavenly Father, we bless your name. We honor you. We uh, seek your grace and your favor and your strength as we get into the text, praying that the eyes of our heart will be enlightened by your spirit uh, so that we can appreciate the magnitude of the truths that are expressed in this book. Uh, We thank you for the Holy Spirit of God who's promised that he would turn the light switch on uh, so that we could see the treasure map that we have in our hands, but without sight to see it, how could we benefit from it? Uh, We thank you for your people that have gathered, so many visitors, Lord. We pray that you will uh, meet them in their uh, their, uh, time of need, that you would address them where their heart needs to be addressed. Uh, We pray that if there's anybody in here that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, the Lord Jesus would be proclaimed, would continue to be proclaimed in such a way uh, that you choose to use that as a means of opening their eyes to his glory and his supreme worth. Uh, draw them to yourself, Lord God, because uh, unless you draw, no one's making any moves toward you. And uh, we pray that we would be able to celebrate along with the heavenly hosts uh, at at least one coming, even today. We pray that uh, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who deserves all honor and praise. Amen. Amen. First of all, I'd like to say that if anybody has found a black Lambskin Bible of the ESV translation or version is mine. Especially if it has soup stains and coffee stains on it. Because right before it left me, I spilled some coffee on it two days in a row and some soup last two months ago. But I will say it did take a licking and kept on ticking uh, or flipping. Pages kept flipping. But uh, I'm missing it. Now, this one right now, that, that, that ESV is a lifetime on the binding, which this one isn't. I wish this was the ESV that I lost, because then I could get this redone. Uh, however, it's a very expensive Bible, very, very expensive Bible. Upwards of a thousand dollars. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I like that. Upwards of a, don't you like that? Upwards of a, upwards of a thousand dollars. But no, I was... It was almost a bean, though. So, please, if you did find it, holla. And I did check in the lost and found. And I just want to tell you all that as much as we threaten that after a few weeks we're going to throw everything away, when I go in there, I still see all the stuff that's been there since the day we started it. So please go in there and clean us out, because obviously we don't have the heart to throw your stuff away. Now, the Bible. The B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. I stopped. Just kidding. Okay. How you feeling? We're in a new series. Jesus in the life of dot, dot, dot. Because we're going to look at some Old Testament characters, classics. Uh, And we're hoping that we don't allow the Old Testament character to be eclipse the one that the character was pointing to, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. So uh, we're going to be looking at the Old Testament. We spent a lot of time in the New Testament and we said, man, some people don't know uh, the beginning, the the Old Testament characters that always gave you a little glimpse of what was going to ultimately crescendo in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so um, we're, we're... We have a twofold strategy with this. It's to expose you to 
Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures, the stories that you find in Hebrew scriptures. And at the same time, uh, we want to be able to continue to encourage us as Christians in our faith. And so we want to look at the Old Testament or Hebrew scriptures Christianly. And so, Lord willing, we'll bring our Christian lenses, but hopefully we'll be able to appreciate what the Spirit of God meant for the churches. So, uh, today's character is a man by the name of Enoch. Is a man by the name of Enoch. Um, turn to Genesis chapter 5. Genesis chapter 5. Uh, if you've never met Enoch in the scriptures, uh, there's a few things that maybe you ought to know, uh, even as, uh, from the outset. First of all, he's the... Enoch, who is the seventh generation from Adam, the first man. Enoch. There was another Enoch, which was the son of Cain. You know Cain, perhaps, uh, because Cain killed Abel, the first thug, the first gangster, the first murderer recorded in the Bible. Cain had a son named Enoch. This is not that Enoch. That Enoch, the son of Cain, had a city named Enoch after him. This is not that Enoch. This is a different Enoch, the seventh generation from Adam, Enoch. This is the father of the oldest man to ever live. It's that Enoch, his son Methuselah. He, birthed, he gave birth to him, or he uh, fathered him, and Enoch, uh, Methuselah went on to be the man who lived the longest. Perhaps you've heard that. You oldest Methuselah, like that's where we get it from, because there really was a man who lived longer than anybody else, well into the 900s. That Enoch. Also, Enoch is known for what we call walking with God to the point where God exempted him from death as most of us will experience death. There's only two people in the Bible who recorded to never have actually died the way everybody, the Bible says, is appointed for man to die once. Well, literally or physically, that's a separation from body and soul, right? Well, the Bible says that Enoch lived, he walked with God, and God just took him. He didn't die the way most people. The other person like that is Elijah. God must like people with the names E. Uh, but E, 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 keep an eye on you, lest you be. And so... This Enoch, so if you don't get anything else today, you at least know he's not the son of Cain, but rather the son of Seth. He's the seventh from Adam. He didn't have a city named after him, and he fathered the guy that uh, lived the longest, Methuselah, and he never experienced death. So you got a few facts on Enoch. But what I want to look at, because the thing that he's known for is what the Bible describes as walking with God, walking with God. And so today we want to look at Enoch as an example of what it means to walk with God. Let's read Genesis chapter 5, verse 21. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he followed fathered Methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. Enoch walked with God and he was not, for God took him. 
only a couple of verses that we have to work with, and yet they're pregnant with so much walking with God. First of all, I want to just start with the concept of walking with God, the concept of walking with God. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God, and it's this concept that we don't even understand uh, what it might mean, but we look at it in the context of a genealogy that has been over and over and over again saying everybody lived, they fathered, and they lived, and they fathered, and they died. The next person, he lived, he had some kids, he lived, had more kids, and he died. You could start with chapter 5, verse 1, and that's what you would see repeatedly to the point where you say Enoch lived 65 years, he fathered. Fathered, Methuselah, he walked with God. It, it, it changes the whole paradigm. So here in this text, walking with God is set in contrast with just mere living, with just mere living. Walking with God is living on a whole nother level. Uh, uh, a good friend, if you know Brian, Brian, uh, one of the Brian's that goes here, uh, was telling me that he was bugging off of an insight that he got because Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man that does not walk, blessed is the man that does not sit, blessed is the man that does not stand in the way of sinners. It, it says, but his delight. Well, wait a minute. Why don't you say blessed is the man that does not walk in the way of sinners, sit in the counsel of the ungodly, like, and then say, but he walks and he... Well, that's because the psalmist was just letting you know another way to talk about how people walk is to talk about what they delight in. And, and poets always do that. They say it the most poetic way, not the way that's often most logical or uh, most um, uh, congruent. So he says, hey, I never thought about that. Where we walk and where we sit and where we stand is usually the place that we delight. So God says, bless it when you don't walk with Cats that are running wild and, 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 and girls that have gone wild. Blessed is that, because, but on the contrary, blessed are those who delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on, on it day and night. Well, in like manner here, it says some people just live. Other people walk. Walk with who? With God. It's set in contrast to being able to walk with God. Some people just deal with the 24 hours that we have in our day. Other people make the most of the 24 hours that we have with our day with God. Some people are just run, running the clock out in life. Some people are like, well, we have 24 hours a day. I can't do anything about that. At least 18 of them I'm conscious. So let me see what I'm going to do. Oh, good. I'll make money. That's what you do. Uh, you got to make money. You, you should have a family. Maybe some people think you should have fun. And we fill our conscious hours with whatever. The Bible calls that living. But if your 18 hours of consciousness during a 24-hour day is strategically aligned with the God who made you and comes up with a format for how to best use your day, that's not just living. That's what Jesus called abundant life, and that's what in the Old Testament is referred to as walking with God. It's not just living. It's going beyond. In, the, in sports... Everybody has a clock. Everybody is playing both an opponent and they're playing against the clock. Every now and then you'll get to the point where you're ahead in the game and you cease to play the game because you're ahead. All you really want to do is run the clock out. So you're just dribbling in circles and you're passing the ball back and forth. No intention on really playing the game. You've uh, you've evaluated it's better to just run the clock out. They, As long as we're not playing the game, they can't play the game, and therefore we'll, we'll end with our win. 
Well, that's how some people do life. We're not living the, really what the Bible would call living, which is in a communion with God. We're just running the clock out. We're just dealing with time the best way we can at the moment. But Enoch sets a precedent that there's more to life than just coping with the 24 hours that you have. There's something available to you. It's called walking with God. The concept of walking with God is not just a contrast to living, but it's really a communing with God in a type of relationship with him. Uh, The Hebrew word is halak, halak. Halak has the idea of just taking continual motion in a certain direction. So the Hebrews took that idea of, I like the fact that walk is something you have to do consistently and it's something you have to do continually in order for you to call it walking. If you just take a step, that's not walking. If you take a whole bunch of steps, but in between every step is long pauses, you won't call that walking. But if you consistently pick them up and put them down, that, and you're going in a direction, that's walking. Well, they said that's a lot like life. If you consistently do something toward a certain destination, that's your living. That's the way life is. Moving in a direction consistently, a set of decisions, a set of motions and movements in a direction. The Greek word picks that up and it's all of our living is called walking. So it says, walk not as the Gentiles do. Why don't you just say live not? Because I'm, I'm into poetry. I'm into something vivid. What does it mean to live? Well, it means to consistently do certain things in a certain pattern going in a certain direction. The Bible says, well, in like fashion, don't do those things consistently in the direction that's the antithesis of what God wants. But walk, live your life regularly on a regular basis. Don't tell me what you did once. I I came to church on this day and on this day. That's not consistent. Don't tell me I tried. That's not walking. That is a step. What the Bible is after and what is available to us is the ability to walk with God so consistently, so routinely that it has become your way of life. Well, it's just another way of saying it's your way of life. Leviticus chapter 26, verse 11 and 12 says this, I will make my dwelling among you. This is God talking to human beings and my soul shall not abhor you and I will walk among you and will be your God and you shall be my people. This is the same Hebrew word. And the idea is God says, hey, don't you want me in your midst? Well, if you want me in your midst, there's a way to get me to be in your midst and not and for my soul to not be turned off by you. It's that same concept. Enoch was able to walk with God because God found delight in walking with Enoch. And so the idea here is that walking with God is not just a contrast to mere living, but it's a continual communing. And you see that other places in Scripture. Deuteronomy 23, 12 to 14 says, you shall have a place outside the camp and you shall go out to it and you shall have a trowel with your tools. And when you sit down outside, you shall dig a hole and with it and turn back and cover up your excrement. 
That's their outhouses. Because the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp, halak, to deliver you and to give up your enemies before you. Therefore, your camp must be holy so that he may not see anything indecent among you and turn away from you. The picture in the Hebrews mind was if God is walking in your midst, don't do anything to mess that up. You want God in your midst. You want God to feel like he can come into the camp. And for them, of course, their understanding of God was progressing. So they're looking at excrement and they're saying, oh, cover that up. What if God wants to come up in here? Like, come on, man. Don't don't mess up the ability for God to be close. Enoch walked with God. It's an idea that says I'm more than doing what just everybody else is doing living. I'm communing with God and communion has this idea of closeness. Enoch walked with God. This is what God has always been out for. This is what distinguishes the God we preach to you from just God's. Everybody has a set of routines, religious routines that they give their people. Everyone can be faithful at doing the religious routine. Every one of you can read your Bible every day. Every one of you can come into this building every week or some other building. Every one of you can do what you want to do. However, that is not necessarily communing with God. I like the way the Lord Jesus says to the church at Laodicea uh, in uh, Revelation chapter 3 verse 20. He has the picture like I'm at the door. Now you're having church and I'm outside knocking. And he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens up. Now, it's funny. What if you're, we're in here in full swing and the only person who's not in here with us is the one we're in full swing about? He says, wait a minute. I want to commune with my people. Now, this is, we usually tell that to unbelievers. Hey, if you, he's at the door of your heart. If you hear him knocking, open it up. He's not talking to unbelievers. He's talking to believers. A church. Who needs to open up and let them come in. This is the difference between Christians who are not walking with God, but are just advent followers of a set of religious rules. Anyone can do that. Ephesians 2, 13, 16 to 16 says, I like this. It says, but now in Christ, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So on the cross. We were brought near. He says, for he himself is our peace. So there used to be friction. So all this talk about walking wasn't even possible at one time until our peace came, who has made both of us, Jews and Gentiles, one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility, used to be friction, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in the ordinances. And the law was one of the things that kept us from each other, Gentiles and Jews. And once he abolished that, is, this is the reason that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, making peace and might reconcile us both to God. So we were arguing with each other, but both of us had friction with God. God was frowning at both of us and we frowning at each other. And God says single handedly, because God is a relational God who wants to not be on the outskirts looking at you, waving at him in the pew. Like, how you doing out there? Like, we getting it in about Jesus. Like, like. Jesus is like, I want to be inside, and I want to be what it's all about. I want to be in your heart. I don't want to be the man upstairs, like, beating on the, the you hear me thumping, doom, 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 keep it down up there. Like, like, I want to be in your life. 
walking with God are for people who say, yo, I don't want you across the street. Somebody say, yo, what's good? How's it going, Jesus? Jesus says, I want to be over there. And because you're on the same side of the street doesn't mean you're walking with each other. He says, I want to bring, I want to be brought near, near to the point where you can say we're walking together. Not just we're on the same side of the street. Enoch walked with God. It's an idea that it's more, it's set in this text as a contrast to just living. Everybody was living. Everybody had kids and everybody lived some more. Everybody had some more kids, but they all died. Enoch, it said, lived. And then it says after Methuselah, he began walking with God. It's, it's, it, 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 you're not supposed to just skip over that. You're supposed to say, what is the difference between living and walking with God? Walking in their mind was, we're communing. We're near. There's no gaps. Right now, you'll date, and then if you're a Christian and you're a good Christian, you'll date and you'll have these boundaries, these, these gaps. You can't wait if you're going to get married till they're gone. You're like, I'm, I'm so sick of having to walk you to the door and then turn away. I'm so sick of having to hold your hand but not really hold your hand. I'm so sick of looking at your eyes but not being able to. I'm so sick. I can't wait till the day when there's no more gaps. Well, that's what God is saying. I offer you life with me with no gaps. And I'll just categorize it as walking with each other. Some considerations when walking with God. Some considerations when walking with God. Walking with God is an exception. Walking with God is an exception. That means if you're going to do it, you're often, often going to be alone or in the minority. Once again, this is found in a, a, a genealogy where if you were reading it, you would catch the abrupt exception to what we've been reading. Seth lived. He fathered Enosh. Seth lived and he fathered Enosh uh, and had other sons. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Enosh had lived 90 years. He fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 815 years. He had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. And Kenan lived 70 years, and he fathered Mahalalel. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalalel uh, 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Kenan were 910, and he died. When Mahal- and it just keeps going. Jump down to Jared. First he says Mahalalel is kind of hard to say. When Jared had lived 162 years, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived and he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared... Were 962 years and he died. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he fathered Methuselah. Enoch walked with God. Wait a minute. You're breaking the flow. I was starting to be able to just rattle off the flow. That's because Enoch is deliberately set up as an exception to a rule. We all need a loophole sometimes when we hate the law. The loophole. The loophole is when you're trying to get out of something that you're being forced to stay in. I'm tired of the mundane routine of living, fathering, living some more, fathering, and dying. I had a song. It was called, You're Born, You Suffer, You Die. But there's a loophole. That's what you need. Is there a loophole in this? Because this is bland, God. This doesn't look like Genesis 1 and 2. It was good. It was good. It was good. It was all good. This doesn't look like that. You're right. You father, you born, you father, you die. But there's a loophole. But there's a loophole. Enoch is that loophole. Just like the Lord Jesus comes on the scene as the loophole of his day. 
And so and so we got so and so and so and so we got so and so and so and so we got so and so through whom we have Jesus, the Son of God. Or all men come, all men do good, all men trip up a little bit, all men die till Jesus comes. It's that loophole. Enoch is given to us as the same thing Jesus will ultimately be. Somebody that finally breaks the routine of simple living and the routine of just doing whatever. He is the exception. And the author of Genesis, Moses, wants you to know that if you're going to walk with God, you will be an exception, not a rule. Don't look for a whole bunch of people who are going to be walking with God. You might as well prepare to walk with God on uh, either on your own. Or as a minority. It's an exception. It's an exception. Something here pivotal happened to Enoch. Uh, Something here pivotal happened to Enoch. It says here, he fathered Methuselah when he had lived 65 years. Then he walked with God after he followed Methuselah 300 years. So it says here, At once, he was just like everybody else. At once, he too was about to follow the same course. Enoch lived, Enoch fathered. Says, after Methuselah, something happened to him. Something pivotal happened. We're not told what it was, but the same thing happens to us. We're living our lives. The best way we know how, the way we were raised, the way we were taught. And all of a sudden, some, uh, sudden, something happens that changes the direction of our lives. Does anybody remember when that pivotal moment happened? When somebody gave you the gospel of Jesus Christ and all of a sudden everything began to change. And you Now you still went to school and you still went to work and you still had a girl or you broke up with your girl. You still had a boy and you broke up with your boy. You still had a husband. You still had a wife. But things changed. Now, the only problem is if everything in your world doesn't change, when you change, all of a sudden there's that friction. Imagine what Enoch felt. Enoch was a walking with God, and that became an exception. But it also became a distinction. Other people are righteous here. In chapter 4, verse 25 and uh, tw- uh, 24 and 25, uh, excuse me, 25 and 26, it says that uh, Seth was born. Says Enosh was born, not Enoch, but Enosh. And during their day, men began to call on the name of Yahweh. It's not like it's saying nobody else was righteous, but it is meant to tell you that walking with God the way the Bible is describing it here is not only an exception, but it's a, a way of distinction. It's a trait of distinction. That means even with your saved friends, you may find that. There's something about you that is a cut, and I don't want to say above, but a cut different because even they are not said to have walked with God until they were taken. So the question on the floor today is, have you prepared your life to just be one of the guys, one of the girls? Or are you going to take advantage of the ability? Am I going to take advantage of the ability to walk with God, even if we're the exception? Nobody in my family is like this, so it's cold at family reunions. None of my friends are like this. 
This is what happens with Christians in the name of this so-called love. Because we don't like what it feels like to be the exception, and because we think it's arrogant to be a distinction, we always switch our pitch up and dumb our communion with God down when we get out there because we hate being an exception and we hate being a distinction. So we get with our unsaved friends. And what do we do? We do. We try to make it look like nothing much is different between us other than something that's deep in our hearts. That is not what the text is doing here. The text is saying loud and clear. He's different. It's not saying he's better. But it is saying he's different. He's an exception. He's distinguished. And if you walk with God, that's what it's going to be. Now, if you're no different, and if you're not an exception, chances are you or no one around you is walking with God, or everybody is. So now you're not this, there's no exception because you're part of a whole clique that's walking with God. And there's no distinction because all of you are walking with him by his grace. But that's not the world that Enoch lived in. That's not the world that we live in. It's an exception. Walking with God is a distinction. Walking with God is a life's description. A life's description. This is not sinlessness. We're not talking about perfection. It already said up till 65, who knows what he was doing. But look what the text says. I like the way it brings it full circle. Look at verse Well, let's read it again. When Enoch had lived 65 years, he followed Methuselah. Enoch walked with God after he followed Methuselah, pivotal, 300 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enoch were 365 years. So now it sums up his whole life. Thus, look at him in all of his 365 years. All his days were 365 years. Now let's summarize it. Enoch walked with God. Wait, you just said he walked with God for 300 years. Now you're saying he lived 365 years, he walked with God. Which one is it? I'm taught, that's what walking with God is. It's not perfection. It doesn't mean you don't have glitches. It doesn't mean you don't have dark moments in your life. It doesn't mean you don't have slip-ups. It means that in a glance, when we look at you, you were so consistent. You had such a consistency that somebody could say, but basically their life could be summed up as a life in him. What's available to you and I is not the opportunity to prove that we're perfect. It's the opportunity to be summarized. I commune with God. I walk with Jesus Christ. Hmm. Enoch did this in the antediluvian age. Every now and then, you know, I've got to get these terms that you only get if you go to these schools we go to. And so, since we paid so much money, we might as well utilize it. The antediluvian age, basically before the flood, before the deluge, before the flood. Y'all are hot, aren't y'all? Well, let's talk about the crisp waters of the flood. As the waters came crashing down on people, drowning them, they weren't hot. The Bible says that the distinct, exceptional, descriptive Enoch's walking who walked with God did it during a time 
known as the antediluvial era, which is the pre And this is what the Bible says. 6.5 says God looked. During that time, God saw that almost everybody, but it says everybody, but we know that it's almost everybody because there was the Enoch's and there was the Noah's. But every intention of man's heart was evil all the time. So this is an Enoch that's like, I was killing it during the golden era where everybody was Christian. The Bible says that he regretted that he made men. The Bible says this was during a time where everybody was wilding. The Bible says that he decided he, my spirit won't keep striving with them. He served God. He walked with God during a time where God had to cut people's lifespan short so that their, their reign of terror and, and evil wouldn't be as long. The Bible says that's when he did it. And the question for us is, will we walk with God in the worst schools? Will we walk with God in the worst hoods? Or will we strategically rig our lives to just go to the best stuff and wish for the best? Well, whether you go to a good school or a bad school, whether you go to a, whether you're in a secular workplace or you work for a ministry, the Bible basically is looking and saying it's possible. And it gives you this scenario of a person who's able to withstand and walk with God in the worst conditions. That way you and I, whether we have the worst conditions or not, don't have an excuse. Be of good cheer, Brother Gaines. He was in a nice old fluffy school during the first year. Now he's in a different kind of school during the summer. Walking with God in both is a testimony. It's an exception. He's distinct there. That's his description. Walking with God. Walking with God. But not only that, y'all. See, my pages got messed up here. So I was trying to look like I wasn't flustered. However, I am. Not only did something pivotal happen to Enoch, at a moment in time, he shifted directions. Not only. Something permanent happened to Enoch. Something permanent happened to Enoch. Look what the Bible says. It says that after 65, he walked with God. And it says he did that to the point where he was not, for God had took him. For God had took him. What this means is that once he started walking with God, once again, as a description, it's not saying that he never sinned again. What it is saying is you still could describe the tenor of his life as walking with God, walking closely with God, communing with God. The Bible says that he did it until God just took him. We believe here that when a true work of God happens, a true work of grace happens to you, it's not a moment, but it's both a moment and it's for the long haul. That the Lord Jesus does this. We believe in the perseverance of the saints. This is what the Lord Jesus said. The Lord Jesus said in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life. They will never perish. This is a death blow to people who think you can lose your, uh, your, your salvation. Because first of all, what he gives you is eternal life. He didn't say, I give you life. He says, I give you eternal life. He says, and they will never perish. And then it says, if they, uh, well, unless the, it says, and they never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, in the Bible, it speaks in such a way that it's not going to cover every single scenario. You get the point. Well, you can't snatch them out of hand, but you can jump out. Like, the whole point of the passage, like, yeah, or, sna- or jump out, da, 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 or fire loose with a crowbar. Or, like, we would ne- that one verse would just be the whole Bible of all the little various ways you could slip through the crack. The point is, you can't lose it. Well, the same way we believe in a permanence to the work of grace when he places you in Christ and you begin to walk in him. 
John 17, he says it another way to the Father. He says, I'm no longer in the world, but they are in the world. I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them. See, the, the issue about the permanence of the work of grace in our lives is that Jesus is doing the keeping, not us. That's the beautiful thing about it. If you got to keep yourself, then we, we don't know if it's permanent. we got to see what happens. I'll catch you at the finish line and see if you got a cramp. You ever see those Iron Man commercials where somebody's winning the whole joint and then they get delirious at the last lap, start stumbling, fumbling, fall over into the Gatorade um, uh, pitches? Well, this is not that. That analogy just fell apart at the end. Like my analogy, didn't make it to the finish line. He says, keep them, Father. Look, verse 12 says, while I was with him. Oh, this is horrible. It's that fan. That fan is always doing me. No, it's that one. He says, while I was with him. He says, I kept them. I kept them in your name, which you have given me. Not one of them has been lost, except for the son of destruction that the scriptures might be fulfilled. There's a permanent, something pivotal happened to Enoch and something permanent happened to him because the Bible says he went all the way. Now, again, we're looking at the Old Testament Christianly because what's, what's, this is talking about in Enoch is that he persevered. But Christianly, we believe in the doctrine of perseverance is not just Enoch's superior ability to not fall. It's in God's amazing keeping power to be able to have an example that he's able to keep us until the day of redemption. Hmm. A couple people appreciate that. So let's just recap. The concept of walking with God as we see it through the life of Enoch is the chance to be able to continually and consistently walk in close communion with God. It's predicated on the fact that God desires to be near, not to be a distant man upstairs. Walking with God is more than just mere living. It's more than just being religious. It's more than just doing the religious thing. You don't call that walking with God. You don't hear people say, I'm walking with the Lord, if they're just going to church or if they're just being a Christian. So, quote, unquote. That is something that's an exception to the rule. When you see a Christian and you say, they walk with Jesus. You don't even describe every Christian the same. They walk with him. Every now and then you'll hear somebody, you say, you know him. Like, you know them because they will reveal the intricacies and the, that you only get being intimate with the Lord Jesus. You say they walk with them. It's an exception, and it, it, it even distinguishes Christians in the youth group, Christians in the, uh, in the ministry, ministries, whole churches are distinguished. I know they're saved. I'm not saying they're not saved. There's just a difference between them and them. And it becomes your description. When people think of you in a glance, they think of you as one who communes with him. Something to Enoch happened. It was pivotal. Walking with God can happen today. If it hasn't happened for you, if you're not walking with him, if you haven't been walking with him by grace, something in a moment can change. After he fathered Methuselah, he walked with God. Something can change for every one of you here if you're in Christ. And what will happen to you today as we look through Christian lenses will be permanent. On the day of redemption, you'll say, Dag, 
It worked. I can't believe it. It's on. <laughs> Lastly, the key to walking with God. The key to walking with God. Those two verses are hard to ring dry a whole sermon. So turn to Hebrews. Thought I was going to say, but I did it. No. Turn to Hebrews. Hebrews gives some more commentary on Enoch. And I think it provides us in closing with the key to walking with God. Go to chapter 11. The key to walking with God. Chapter 11, verse 5 to 6 says this about Enoch. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. That's concurring with Genesis. And he was not found, he was no more, because God had taken him. That's a way of saying he didn't die like we die, but God snatched him up to be with him. Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. That's the Greek translation of the Old Testament's way of treating he walked with God. The Septuagint is what you call the Greek Old Testament, right? Instead of saying he walked with God, they have, and scholars speculate that the, pe- the, the writers of the Septuagint had a problem with the man-like language of God, so they found another way to express it. And without faith, verse 6, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God, that's that nearness, must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. The key to walking with God, as, as, as I close, first of all, you have to desire his presence. Desire his presence. This is a repeat of what uh, Manny was saying uh, the other day when he was preaching about worship. You have to delight in God. You have to desire God. The first thing is to desire his presence. Who walks with someone they don't desire? It says here in the... Now, Enoch is said to by faith. Walk the way we're talking about walking with God. Well, what does that mean? Well, if you go back, it says faith is being assured of things hoped for. Uh, Chapter 11, verse 1 of Hebrews. It says the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith. uh, And then go down. uh, uh, Verse 4. By faith, Abram offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts. And though through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. When he gets to Enoch, it says, By faith Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever draws near to God must believe that he exists that it is a real presence of God, and that he rewards them who diligently seek him. So first, he says, you even have to desire his presence. You have to believe that God is. So if you're an atheist, you can't walk with God. If you don't believe that there's a God, you... He says, the first thing, before you talk about being pleasing to God, before you talk about trusting in God, you got to believe that there is a God. And for believers, we take that and say, we believe that there's a God. But wait, do you believe that he exists? Do you believe that his presence does something? You must believe that he is. You must, you must want who he is. 
Which is again, which is why the man upstairs, you'll never walk with God if you refer to God as the man upstairs. Just like you'll never obey, you know what the good book says. You know, the good book, if it's not holy writ, you won't obey it. It's the good book. Which is why the world who are not in relationship, maybe some of you in here, when you're not in relationship with God, you come up with things that so reduce it that it's easier to ignore it. You reduce God that it's easier to not worship him. Because if he's really what you say, then you would have to adjust you. He says, wait, if you would come after me, this is for people who come after him. This is not for people who sit in the classroom and speculate. No, I believe that he's up there. That's not talking to you. This is talking to people who says, I want to come after you. This is, again, this is not religion 101. This is relationship. I don't want to just know your name. I want to get your number type stuff. Why? Because whatever we're doing right now needs to continue. God, I don't want to just know you're up there. I want you in here. Because whatever is up there, I wish it were in here because I never want to part from it. He says, if there's somebody like that who wants to walk with me first, they got to believe that I'm somebody to, to, to even want in you. If I'm a higher power, who, who tries to snuggle up to a higher power? He says, first got to believe that he is. Desire his presence. Then you got to desire his pleasure. He says, without faith it's impossible to please him. Well, I know he's up there and wouldn't mind if he was in here, but if he comes, he just better get used to how I roll. When you desire to please someone, that's not how you roll. You don't like when I? Hey, I'm going to have to change that. It says, who's going to walk with God if God's got to adjust to you? It says, Enoch walked with God. And then Hebrews says, and the only people who walk with God are people who believe that he is and they want that. And people who want to be pleasing to him because faith is the way God becomes pleased. Can't be an agnostic. Agnostics basically say God's not knowable. Atheists say God's not there. Agnostics say God's not knowable. Well, it says here, by faith, Cain offered a better sacrifice. You can't offer a better sacrifice unless you know the kind of sacrifice that would be considered a better sacrifice. That means you got to know something about the God who you're sacrificing to. People get mad when some stuff is more acceptable to God than others. Well, why y'all, y'all act like everybody got to do it like you? Nah, not really. I just know some stuff is just not God's pleasure. Your arrogance is not pleasing to God. So you don't have to do it like me. You don't have to do a song called, Oh, Wretched Man. But you certainly can't do a song, Who Am I? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Who Am I is a good song when you, when you understand it. Shout out to the truth. Tell myself, Who Am I? But that's not how he meant it. So you think about it. He says, Yo, by faith, Abel knew enough about God to bring him the right kind of sacrifice. 
You can't be an agnostic and walk with God because then you believe he's not knowable. Then you'll just wing it. You'll just take stabs in the dark and you'll do like Cain. Bring something. The Bible says Cain brought an offering. And Abel brought an offering of the fat portions. Abel was lacing it up all nice for God. Brought it out on a little cart, little dish. Ching. You, know, you heard the, the tin cling when he took the, 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 the lid off of it. Ching. You know what I'm saying? Violinist coming in. Lord. I was like, you don't have to do all that. But I just love the fact that you want to, like, you know me. I like when you give me your all. I like when you come by faith. I like when you, you put great thought and preparation into what you offer me. I like when you think about my, my understanding of... And then Cain like, what? You act like we got to do it like him. God's like, wait a minute. Why are you beefing, Cain? If you do what's right, won't you be accepted too? Agnostics can't walk with God. Because if he's unknowable, then you don't know about him. And if you don't know about him, you won't bring him and you won't comply to him. The way to, key to walking with God, you got to desire his presence. Whew. It says here, you got to believe that he, he desires your pursuit. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seeks him. He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He desires pursuit. What baffles us is that God is self-sufficient, yet he wants you to come after him. God is insecure, but he wants you to come after him. God will hide himself just to make you go seek. Now, if you say, where you at? Oh, well, forget it then. Forget it. I mean, you want to hide? I ain't going to chase you now. I ain't going to chase you now. Like, well, then you're not going to walk with God. Because in order to walk with God, you must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I looked. There, I looked. I looked. You wasn't there. What you want me to do? Diligently seek me. Oh. Enoch walked with God says, Enoch walked with God. He knew God was there and wanted it. He knew that God is pleased by faith, and that's what he, how he lived his life. He knew that God honors pursuit. That means you can't be a deist. You can't be an atheist because they don't believe that God's there. You've got to believe he is. Can't be agnostic because you don't believe he's knowable. You don't know how to offer. You don't know how to come and know what he wants, what he likes, what he dislikes. Because you'd say he can't be known. You can't be a deist. A deist says God made stuff, but he said you go your way and I go my way. I'm, I'm minding my business. Y'all mind your business. God, do you. That's, I just made stuff. That's what a deist says. A deist says there's a God, but he doesn't care what we're doing. Anyone who wants God must believe that he likes you to come and say, well, what are you doing? Not, I hope you don't mind what we're doing. Hello? You don't care? Party! <laughs> Let's end this. The Lord Jesus Christ most fully demonstrates how to walk in communion with God. At 12, he, he, he made it clear. After a seven-day festival, the Bible says that he 
remained behind. You've heard me say it before. If you've heard me look at this, he didn't get left behind. I always read that like he got left. Like he's a 12-year-old that got left, and he just said, oh, well, I might as well go to the temple until somebody comes and rescues me. The text says he remained, that he voluntarily stayed behind, which means that he preferred to be in his father's house. That's what he said when they came back and said, why did you do this? He said, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? How many of us would prefer to be where God is than something else? Something else that's legitimate. You got to go home, Jesus. Come on, you're 12. Your parents got jobs. Y'all don't live in Jerusalem. Come on, man. You got to go back. Yeah, but if you give me my choice, I'd like to be where God is at the nucleus of what's going on. The Lord Jesus communing with God. The Bible says that he was in high demand in the book of Mark several times. It says, But he often withdrew to lonely places to talk with his father. Ah, I was so convicted as I was rounding the curb with this because I have been derelict in making sure that this is a priority in my excuses. But when I finish this, man, I got to go back to the days when I was. The Lord Jesus never had to say, I got to get back to communion with the Father. They had to come and get him. Jesus, more press is out there. Jesus, more interviews. Come on, let's go. The Lord Jesus demonstrated it, says to his opponents, I only speak what I hear my father say. That's probably, you ever like, w- w- you want your opinion? Unbelievers, you're talking to them and they start raising questions that even you like, ah, I know. I, and you want to say to them, I know, I don't even know why he does it like that. Jesus says, like, I don't, I don't offer my own opinion. I only speak what I hear my father say. That's communing with God. That's, that's holding your life open and saying, what you say, I say. What you like, I like. He, confer- he, could, he, he, he was with the Father so much and so intimately that the disciples said, teach me how to be like that. When they said, teach me to pray. Anytime somebody says, now we don't say that today because, you know, that would be like a blow to your ego. Yo, man, teach me how to be close to the Lord. We don't say that. But they said that to Jesus. Teach us how to pray. I noticed that my prayers are so... He said, okay, come on. Pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Told Mary, Jesus told Mary that she had it right when she sat at his feet rather than scurried around and made dinner for him. Communing with the Father. He, Jesus demonstrates communing with the Father often has a sitting element at the right feet, sitting at the feet of Jesus. The Lord Jesus demonstrates it in that he obeyed the Father. Walking with God means that he walked in contradiction to his, his society. He obeyed the Father. Walking with God, Jesus demonstrated it by relying on the Spirit instead of flexing his independent use of his powers. We believe in a theory called the kenosis theory. Kenosis, which means to empty yourself or to make yourself of no reputation. Jesus had the rep in heaven of being powerful, equal with the Father, came on earth and had to be changed, had to have his diapers changed, had to grow, had to learn. The Bible says he learned obedience from the things that he suffered. He had to say, I don't even know when I'm coming back. Only the Father knows that. He had to walk and meet the woman at the well get tired and ask her for water though he was the living water the lord jesus was just demonstrating when you walk with god you don't depend on your own selves you walk in dependence on him i'll model that for you the lord jesus perfectly modeling what it means to walk with god lastly in gethsemane the lord jesus facing the most trying time of his life when he was ready like i'm sure he was 
I mean, he begged God. He said, God, if there's another way. Anytime God the Son says, God, if there's another way. The Lord Jesus, if there's another way, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will. To walk with God means to let him win, even when it's your own death, your own discomfort. To walk with God. The Bible says that Enoch walked with God. Today, will you and I walk with God? Today, will you walk with God? Kanye West had it part right. Jesus walks. The only problem in his whole song, he was walking in the opposite direction. The Bible makes it clear that Enoch chose to walk with God. Let me get that, Pastor E, that book right there. I'm closing. Right here. I'm closing. I'm closing. The Bible says that the way to walk with God is by being placed in Jesus Christ. Placed in Jesus Christ. I don't know what it takes to convince generations they're not saved. But people are not saved. They don't understand what it means to not be saved. But you know you're not saved when all the stuff that we're talking about is flying over your head. And the Bible makes it clear that God will welcome you into a relationship only through Jesus Christ. Only through Jesus Christ. Because he died on the cross, according to Ephesians 2, when I read that passage, it says through his blood, he reconciled us to God. That means, like there was a time when God would say, scram, kid, you bother me. Scram, like, I want to walk with you, Jesus. No, you can't, because there is a gap. Sin has put a gap between you and I. But with Jesus Christ, when he comes on the scene, the sins are removed, and there's no more gap. Now you can walk with him. Look at this. I like the way this this guy says it, and I'm ending with this. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The phrase is full of meaning. Enoch walked with God because he was his friend and liked his company, because he was going in the same direction as God, and he had no desire for anything but what lay in God's path. We walk with God when he is in all our thoughts, not because we consciously think of him at all times, but because he is naturally suggested to us by all we think of. And when any person or plan or idea has become important to us, no matter what we think of, our thought is always found recurring to this favorite object. So with the godly man, everything has a connection with God and must be ruled by that connection. This is the general nature of walking with God. It is a persistent endeavor to hold all our life open to God's inspection and in conformity to his will. I know these are big words for any of you that you're not on this level reading-wise. If it wasn't for the late time, I'd translate. But basically, holding all our life open to God's inspection... And in conformity, linking up with his will, adjusting yourself to his will. A readiness to give up what we find does cause any misunderstanding between us and God. A feeling of loneliness is if we have not some satisfaction in our efforts at holding fellowship with God. A cold and desolate feeling when we are conscious of doing something that pleases him. This... Walking with God necessarily tells the whole, on the whole life and character. <sighs> Father, make us a people who walk with you. Make us a people who...